Can you believe our church is just about 10 years old? Yeah. 10 years. Like, that means going from a little baby, and then we started waddling around, toddling, <laughs> and now we're actually 10 years old. That's just crazy. You know, you look back and you see the people that God has touched because of, of you guys in the church and what, what He's done and the, just the kids and the adoptions and friendships. It's just amazing to think about. And He gets all the credit and it's His church. We had a board meeting this morning um, and we were just talking about volunteers and like 90% of everything we do is based upon people who volunteer of their time. And you only volunteer your time because it brings you joy. If it doesn't bring you joy, you don't want to do that. But I would say this, like if you're kind of new or maybe on the sidelines a little bit, jump in with us. Roll your sleeves up because God wants to share His love in and through you to, to people. So pray about that. There's plenty of places that you can serve. Carrie oversees our, our Sunday volunteers and, and many other things as well. You can speak with her. She was the one that gave the announcements this morning. So let's get into it. I'm pretty stoked for this message, to be honest. I could not wait for, for today. I want to start by showing you a picture. And this picture is called the Blue Marble. That's our planet. Now, that was taken 49 years ago. 49 years ago by an astronaut named Harrison Schmidt. In 1972, he was part of the Apollo 17 mission. And he was on the moon when he took this. this. I'm fascinated by pictures from the moon of the earth. It just, I, it just makes me fall in awe of, of God's creation. The second picture is, look at that, that's the surface of the moon. This was taken recently by a robot that was on, they call it the Lunar Reconnaissance something, Orbiter. And they call this the Earthrise photos, that it's 12 times a day when you're on the surface of the moon, this happens by the rotation of, of everything. Isn't that awesome? Like, that it blows my mind. That, it, it, that's our little earth, right? That's our big earth. And so you, you see that. That was taken a couple, uh, just a couple years ago. And then this third picture might be the most famous, that of the earth rise. This was taken Christmas Eve, 1968, by the Apollo 8 uh, mission. Anybody old enough to remember that? All right, I just ratted you out. You are. Now, that was uh, taken, and the, this mission, when they were on the surface of the moon, was uh, broadcast back to Earth live on the radio and TV. And so I looked it up, and I found it on the YouTube, right? I, I did the Google, then the YouTube, and I, on, on the YouTube, I found it out there on the web, which is even crazy, right? No, seriously. Watch this video. This is a video play, uh, feedback of them, what they were seeing in the astronauts on Christmas Eve, 1968. Check this out. We are now approaching uh, lunar sunrise, and uh, for all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message. 
message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. Pretty stellar, man. We're uh, in this series in the Psalms. We're calling it Music to Live By. And we're taking selections from different Psalms. There's 150 Psalms. The Psalms would have been the songbook of Jesus, the prayer book of Jesus, because the Psalms, they're right in the middle of your Bible. And the Psalms give a great uh, picture of the human condition in our struggle with ourself, in our relationship with God. It's a, the, the Psalms are about praise and worship, thanksgiving, prayers to God. And Jesus would have seen himself in the Psalms because many of the Psalms were prophetic about him. And that always blows my mind. Today we're going to do Psalm 8. And it begins and ends with just a statement of worship. Here's what it says. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your, your, of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, and have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Within this psalm, I see three things that happened to David as I was reading it. Three things that happened to David that I've been praying all week will happen to you. 
the three things that happen to David in this psalm and what he is sharing, I pray that it happens to you and I. The first thing is David encountered the glory and reality of God in creation. He looked up and he saw the stars and distant planets and he was blown away. He was blown away. He encountered the glory and reality of God in creation. People who, the reason I, first of all, before I say this, the, the, the reason I showed you the pictures of the earth from the moon was to just tease out a little bit of awe. And it happened. You clapped. We even got a glory up in here. And I like that. And amens. Because it should make us wake up to, to the reality and glory of God. Now, we live in Colorado. People who live in, in, in Colorado usually tend to take a vacation near the beach. Am I right? We don't go to Utah or Wyoming, you know. We, we go to the beach because we don't have the beach around us. People who live at the beach come to Colorado for vacation because they don't have the majestic mountains. My cousin lives in Jacksonville, Florida. He doesn't go to the beach somewhere else in Miami or wherever he's got that every day. He comes to Colorado or Utah to go on ski trips in the wintertime. And it, it's funny, and you look around creation. And you, I've been had the privilege through ministry to see some cool places. I've been to Scotland like seven times. Scotland is fantastic. It's like what it looks like in the movies, like the greenery and the locks and all that. Have I told you I've been to Israel? <laughs> Israel's fantastic. The Sea of Galilee and Jerusalem. I mean, to see God's creation. I've been to El Salvador. And El Salvador has the most amazing beaches I've ever seen, and there's no hotels around. It's just water and beaches stretches of it. Maybe since I've been there, they fixed it up a little bit. I've had, uh, I have a friend, his name is Olaf, and he lives, and he's from Sweden. And last April, he sent me some pictures of the northern lights, like in late April. And he was like, my camera's not even doing justice to what I'm seeing out of his front porch. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, God, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. David said, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. David didn't have the Hubble telescope. He didn't have the YouTube. He didn't have the Google. He had nothing. And think about it. His, it wouldn't have city lights around. So he was like, when you go camping and, there's, and you look at the stars, that's different than when you see it you know, in a city. You can see it even, even bigger. And he saw the majesty of God. Have you seen the majesty of God? Have you seen and contemplated, you know, even when, when a baby comes into this world, you see the majesty of God in his, his creation. You think about the intricacy of the human eye itself. Whoa, God. He said, the work of your fingers. He didn't say the work of your arms or your hands, the work of your fingers, like an artist. When I was a little kid, I was fascinated with World War II planes, and I would get models for my birthday and Christmas, and you're using your fingers. And that's, that's the picture 
that David's giving us of God and his creation, that the heavens and the stars is the work of God's fingers, fashioning all these things together. Creation has caused many people to say, there must be a God. I read about a scientist who, he knew too much about how science worked and all of that and said, I know there's a God, that, that, that this was no accident that happened. He, he came to faith in Jesus. The prophet Isaiah says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Wow. God's an artist. If you study um, ancient accounts of creation, only what we have in Scripture about creation uh, says that it's the work of God in his fingers. Most ancient cultures believed that it was the gods, a cosmological battle in, the, in somewhere else that caused this. The, 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 the creation was just a byproduct of some cosmic battle. And so I think this first point of David encountering the reality of God should make you and I ask the question, how should I regard God? How should I see God? Somebody gave an illustration one time, I, I still love it, about the difference between a microscope and a telescope. A microscope takes something that's you can't see it with the human eye because it's so small and brings it in to picture. Whereas a telescope takes something that's seemingly so far away and so big and brings it into reality. You know, when it when it comes to worship, are we taking a little small God and trying to bring him into perspective or are we taking the reality of the vastness of God through a telescope and saying, wow, that's jaw-dropping, God, of who you are. I stand in awe of you. So David encountered the glory and the reality of God in creation. Secondly, David experienced appropriate smallness in light of his encounter. Appropriate smallness. When we contemplate uh, the universe when we contemplate the vastness of creation, it should make us feel small. He says, what is man that you're mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? God, you're so big, why do you care about little me? The word for care is the Hebrew word pakad. And it means to visit, to attend to, to search out. That's what that word means. God, who are, am I, God, that you would search me out? The, um, Jim Lovell was one of the astronauts in that Apollo 8. And he said in one of his comments when he was on the moon and looking at the earth, he said, the vast loneliness is awe-inspiring and makes you realize just what you have back there on earth. He felt small. I would too. Like you're on this, the moon and you're looking at earth like, ooh, who am I, Lord? God's creation made him feel small and I think it should make us feel small. Now, I made a huge mistake and I forgot my little prop. Um, would you do me a favor, Kristen, and go over to the info table? There's something on it that I need 
for my friends here this morning. Nothing like messing that up. Anybody got any jokes? All right. Brian does. <laughs> he got mo jokes. So I forgot my little prop, my little lab coat that I worked hard for all week that Becky Bullion gave to me. Dr. Scott is in the house. I'm no doctor, but I play one on TV. Just kidding. All right. Let me give you some statistics about our universe. Just throwing you off a little bit. Hang in there. You'll get better. Statistics about our universe. And since I'm not very smart, TJ helped me. TJ Pander helped me out with all these statistics. So check this out. Prepare to have your mind blown. A light year is about 5.879 trillion miles. That's a lot of miles. The farthest a human being has ever traveled is r roughly 1.3 light seconds. The size of the universe from one end to the other is five septillion. Five septillion. That's a lot of zeros I'm looking at. I could have put it up there for you. Now, scientists and astronomers have figured out that there are dimensions to our universe. There is a a, begin, a beginning and an end. There are dimensions around our universe. Get your head around that. And they know that the universe, there's no finish line because it's ever expanding. It continues to grow and grow. The work of his fingers. Keep that in your head as we're talking through this. The universe is 93 billion light years to the edge of the observable universe. The observable universe uses Earth as, a, as the center. Thus, 46 billion times 2 equals 92 billion because it goes in either direction. Now, we live in our galaxy. What's the name of our galaxy? Not just a candy bar. We live in the Milky Way. And the Milky Way is 100,000 light years wide. Remember, a light year is 5.87 trillion miles. There are 2 trillion galaxies in our universe. Our universe is one of 2 trillion. And it's pretty big when you think about it. Jupiter is 13, uh, 1,300 times the size of the Earth. You can fit a million Earths on the surface of the sun. I mean, that's just our little solar system thinking about two trillion galaxies in the universe. When, we, when you look up at night and you look at the stars, you're only seeing 0.00002% of the stars just in our galaxy. It's the work of his fingers. It's the work of his fingers. A galaxy is so big and spread out that one galaxy can actually pass through another without colliding at all. Andromeda is our galactic neighbor, and you can get there in a mere, mere 2.5 million light years. That's a billion, billion miles away. There's two trillion galaxies in the universe. The work of his fingers. That blows my mind. That, that makes me just go, wow, God. I can understand 
why David said, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Did you appreciate the lap coat? I sure did. More, more. Let me give you something that will blow your mind. Hebrews 1 says that Jesus upholds everything by the word of his mouth. He just speaks it. Colossians 1 says that he is the creator and sustainer of all things. All those trillions of trillions of this and that, he just says, yep, I'm holding that. Wow. So thirdly, David expressed joy and awe that he's on the mind of the creator of the universe. I want us to be people who express joy and awe that we're on the mind of the creator and sustainer of all things. You want to talk about getting you out of your funk, getting you out of your depression. When your checkbook doesn't line up right, I'm on the mind of the one who sustains everything. You're on his mind. David, in verses 5 through 9, he recapped the creation story. Genesis 1 and 2. And here's, the, I wrote this thought down. The vastness of creation should make us feel small, but not insignificant. We're small. Little old you and me. But we are not insignificant. It's a frightening thing to think that you don't matter. It's a frightening thing to think you don't matter. But I would remind all of us that even if people don't make us feel like we matter, you matter to God. You matter to the Lord Jesus. You count. You're on in His thoughts. God created us with two great needs. And when we understand that he can, He's the only one that can truly meet these two needs, we'll live differently. We'll see people differently. The first need is that of security. And to have secure, a sense of security is that I'm loved unconditionally without needing to earn it. He, you don't merit the love of the Creator. He loves you. That's why He created you out of love. And only He, as good as some relationships and things can be, only He can truly meet the need of security. And then He created you and I with the need of significance. Meaning that my life matters. My life counts. My life can have impact on another life. Security and significance. God created us that way. So how can the Creator, how can you and I know that the Creator and power of the universe cares for us? Well, if you go back to Genesis 1 and 2, which the astronauts were reading the creation story, David's recapping this. I think this is what David had in mind. That after God creates everything, the stars, the, every, you know, the heavens and the earth, and the animals, he creates human beings. And it says he created them male and female in his image. You're an image bearer of God. He put all of the vastness of creation, the beauty of, of the stars and the mind-blowing reality of the universe, animals, mountains, that's all just his artwork. 
We are his image. He put his image on us. That gives every human being you come in contact with dignity. That God infinitely values his image bearers. Infinitely values. So should we. It should blow our minds. He's, David said, you crowned, who, who am I that you crowned us with glory and honor? You gave us dominion over the earth. Image bearers have dignity. And there's an interesting verse in verse 2. He says, out of the mouth of infants and babies, you've prepared praise. Now, Jesus quotes that from Psalm 2. He quotes that in uh, Matthew 21 when he's in the triumphal entry, riding into Jerusalem the week before he was going to be crucified. And people are shouting his praise, Hosanna! And the religious leaders, that made them mad. And they said, why are you allowing this to happen, Jesus? And he quotes this psalm. This is where it gets really interesting. Why would Jesus say, hey, out of the mouth of babes and infants, you've ordained praise? Well, we don't fully understand this, but God always deals with evil through weakness. He does. You look at the history of people, you look at the, the Bible, you, and it all is pointing to, you know, you think about an infant. Is there anything more helpless than an infant? Infants are fully relying on someone to take care of them. He says, out of the mouth of infants, you've ordained praise to take care of his enemies. God deals with evil through humility and suffering. You should be getting a picture of Jesus on the cross. He laid down his life. He submitted himself unto death. He didn't fight back. Like we want to. We want to fight. We want to fight our way to, to victory. Jesus submitted himself through humility to his victory. God became an infant. We're talking about Christmas already. It's coming around the corner. We're going to be celebrating that God became one of us, that Jesus took on flesh. He entered into our broken, fallen world so that he could defeat our enemies of sin, death, and the evil one. Instead of taking power, he gave up power. That's Philippians 2. He humbled himself. He submitted himself. Why did he do that? Have you ever thought that question? Why did he do that? I'll tell you the answer. It's right in what we're studying in Psalm 8. He's always been mindful of you. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you need to let that soak into your heart. You have the best of his affections just because of you not what you do or don't do or successes or any of this he loves you just because he loves you he's mindful of you little us fill his thoughts <laughs> all the time you were always on his mind even before Willie wrote that song you've always been on his mind you knew that was coming I want to show you a video, and this is a lyric video with a very cool set to creation by, uh, it's called So Will I, a hundred billion times, 
And I pray that the words of this song minister deeply to your heart and mind. God of creation There at the start Before the beginning of time With no point of reference You spoke to the dark And fleshed out the wonder of life And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets fall. And if the stars amaze the worship so light, I can see your heart and
summarize the whole deal he loves you you're on his mind all the time would you stand with me I want to pray and I'm gonna pray that we walk out of here different contemplating the reality and glory of God and that He loves us. And that He loves the people you come in contact with every day. People who may not look like you, think like you, believe like you. He loves. He loves them infinitely. And we all have an opportunity to be like Jesus to people. Even the ones that irritate us. Even the ones that are hard to love. I'm hard to love. You're hard to love. We have to admit that first. And when we admit that, then, then we're going to see people differently. So may the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, and give you His peace. As you contemplate the reality of your dignity as an image bearer, of the creator and sustainer of all things, May you be aware of His redemption in your life, of what He did to free us from sin, to free us from the evil one, and to conquer death. May you be aware of that and live in that reality. May each one of us grow in our love for God and our neighbor. 
May we be bearers of the good news of the gospel, the grace of God that was poured out through Jesus. May you leave your failures and sin at the cross. May you recognize and encounter the power of His resurrection. May you encounter the Holy Spirit in a deeper way. The presence of the Lord Jesus with you daily. And may we as a church family with one heart, one mouth, in unity and love continue to care for one another and be salt and light in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.